Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee Johnson here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today we have two special guests on this amazing episode of the Rose Hour Podcast. First up, we have Courtney Seard, who is a coach for business owners, as well as helping those in leadership. And Greg Bustos of Wandering Grace Rosé, which is located in Spain. Everybody drink rosé, rosé. So we sip rosé. We gonna sip rosé, rosé. Sip rosé. Baby girl, she don't play, don't play. So we sip rosé. Hey there, friends. It's Renee. And guess what? You're here at the Rose Hour podcast. And today, you know who's sitting to my left, pouring up the drinks, drinking all the drinks. Bartender Bay. I love this shot. Let's do it again. This makes me feel so warm. I don't know what that shake is for. I don't know. Like, I know people can't see what I'm doing. It's just like a shimmy. If you've ever seen the episode where Dave Chappelle... No, it wasn't Dave Chappelle. Who was it that was sitting in the car? Charlie Murphy. And it was when the pimps went back in time in the time machine. And, like, they were looking at historical events that happened to black people. Pause. We'll get to that later. Uh, he would shimmy and act like the vehicle was moving, but it wasn't moving. It's a little, like, rock back and forth. It's really random that I remember. It's a gentle... Uh, a gentle shake. Show the shake, yeah. Speaking of shaking... <laughs> World's kind of sh- shaking, shooken, shooken up. Man, the world is over with. I won't say that, but I, I think definitely. We are 60 days out from the end of the world. Don't say stuff like that. It's over with. Don't say stuff like that. And I think, I think it's just, you know. I mean, I think uh, seriously, um, you know, you, you ever read the book uh, uh, the, the Hill the Pale uh, Horse? No. The Pale Horse. Well, it's about like. Um, this guy back in like the 80s predicted pretty much kind of like what we're going through right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Nostradamus, like a lot of people. No, I mean, eh, Nostradamus, okay, it's more like the vague quadrant. You say these like nice flowery words and then people read too deeply into it. and then you Flowery like, in Nostradamus? Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those words is real, you know, they're really grandiose statements and they're pretty broad. And then people put them in a box and say, oh, yeah, he's talking about this, you know. Okay, but this guy wrote a book about pear? Um, It's just about, like, the world, um, what's behind the veil. Uh, a lot of things that the government does has other meanings and other uh, motives behind it. So, you know, they, they speak about that and, <clears throat> you know, like a new world order. And even now, like... I think in place, you know, you get some of that conditioning happening, like around the world is a pandemic. So around the world now, we're all conditioned to do and think a certain way. Well, you know, not really, because we have those people out there who are like fighting to go to the grocery store with a mask on. I mean, you have those people, but I mean. And they're not outliers. Like, it's a large group. I mean, there's a, I mean, the people don't have resistance to change, but for the most part, 
people have adopted taking a mask into their everyday life you know it's something that you think about it happens you know like today I was going to you know run some errands oh gotta make sure I have a mask well it's sort of like with the no shoes no socks no shirt no service right like we kind of conform to that but you know I feel like there's there's some you know reasons where we should already have been doing some of this stuff like you know reminding people about washing their hands which is very odd that we have to remind people but you know don't be you know a person that coughs on people like that's never good right I mean I think it's an easy introduction to a world life a worldwide um, population control you know what I mean um just so you guys know, this is not a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> it's not, you know, but I mean, why not go into it this week? We got a lot of stuff going on, you know, I mean, even on the conspiracy theory tip, you know, you're seeing cops, you know, escorting truckloads of bricks and setting out pallets of bricks like that's been exposed today. You know what I mean? So where people may laugh at these conspiracy theories, it, some of these things may be true. In a day of uh, social media, a lot of these um, claims are being captured on camera. True. Uh, but, you know, I think also to to that point, right, like we're seeing a lot of people are saying like, you know, all lives matter when it's it's re- in regard to black lives. And it's like seeing the memes where they're like, well, yeah, a house could be on fire. But like, it's not the time for you to be like, but my house matters. Like, yes, it matters. Just not right now because this other house is on fire. And I mean, like, that was, like, the clearest example that I'm like, how do people not get it? Like, do you not see what's happening? And, you know, one thing I tell people is, you know, uh, the day we see a white woman being murdered by police uh, on TV and it continues to stream day in and day out and you can actually just go on Instagram and watch the video of her being murdered uh, by police, then equality has been met in some degree. And I'm not saying that's what we want. I'm just saying the protection of white lives, more specifically white women, um, is very real and people need to understand that because we are seeing every day the trauma um, and it's it's definitely desensitizing people to the fact of black lives, right? If I see your murder every day of people that look just like you, why does it all of a sudden not feel the same after years of watching mm. that? Like you get desensitized. Right. And it's and not that, shocking. And a lot of people forget that these are the same types of tactics that was um, deployed during Hitler's time. You know, with the Nazis, with the Jews. Propaganda, you all know, that stuff. Right. That propaganda came out first to, to make people think that the Jews were lazy and, and worthless. And over time, people started, the Germans bought, and bless you, bought into that propaganda to where it made it easy for them to see millions of Jews being murdered. You know what I mean? And I think those types of tactics are happening now. You put a, a black man on camera and you see him getting murdered. Over time, you, you, you'll you accept that as the norm. And then you'll see populations that aren't black become 
you know, desensitized to it. Now it's to a point where it's like, why are you guys complaining? We got problems too. And it's like, well, nah, <laughs> don't. But that goes to, to show that you know, the desensitization of America. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not, you know, black lives don't matter in America. And it, it's sad. It doesn't. And they and they show us in the media every day that they don't. So I don't know what the path forward from this point would be. Well, I don't think yeah. there is one, right? Like one thing that I think people want to say is like, here's the solution. Well, we didn't create the problem, and the problem is pre-existing, right? The, right. It's, it's, it goes back to one the history of this country and how we came to be, and so we haven't rectified our history in this country. Uh, we haven't acknowledged the uh, damage we have done. And then also, who built this joint? Blacks. This country was built off the off the backs of Black people uh, in free labor, right? The White House at which some of y'all president resides was built by Black people. And yet, they were forced into roles such as landscapers, garbage, cooks, line cooks, butlers, and weren't actually in positions in administrations or chief of staff to the first lady. Those weren't the roles we were given. Because why? The value system wasn't there that we were intelligent enough. Yet we're architects, <laughs> uh, which is a very technical to, like career to create these things. Uh, you know, uh, Benjamin Banneker created DC and the streets. Uh, you got to be kind of smart to kind of have a grid like that. For so memory. Yeah. Yeah, and he he did that. Why? Well, because clearly they wanted to mess up the French when they were coming to invade. And so they didn't burn down the city like they did the first time, which people forget about. I mean, the things and contributions that we have provided the world and continue to, uh, like all of the amazing uh, Black winemakers, uh, black wine companies, black vineyards. I mean, I remember hearing about a case about uh, a group of black women trying to go to wine country and they were told they were being too loud and they got kicked off the wine country chain, the train. Yeah, it's just how I feel. I think the world looks at African-Americans. It's just the jesters. You know, we're here to entertain. And then once you step out of that entertainment, way of life and we actually say hey we have actual problems you know we're having issues things that need to um, have some attention brought to them that's when you know it, it's almost like it's an annoyance we well, are, we're annoying the population you should be able to do it you should be able to figure out your, your problems you create your problems well no and like let's go past slavery now we're in Jim Crow right. where if I went to college, if I was so very fortunate as a black person to do, because let's let's not forget, not that long ago, you prevented us from reading or learning. So now I'm able to go to college and persevere during that. Right. So I am a, probably a grandchild or, or child of, of a slave. Went to college. I graduate college. I'm being told I can't do certain jobs at a certain pay rate as my peers. So now, 
I'm forced because of redlining to buy a home in a certain community, which does not have as much taxation, right, as other communities that are white and affluent. And so my school system isn't able to purchase the good books. So now I'm educationally holding people back. My mortgage is, is, is probably having a higher APR rate, but yet is an, considered an undesirable community. So that's another problem. Then we fast forward out of Jim Crow and into the 80s and 90s, and then we enter the crack epidemic. And we all know what happened there. We didn't create crack. It came into our communities. It was dropped off in our communities like those bricks <laughs> communities to throw at these businesses now. We don't make bricks. We're not brick makers. We're not crack makers. So, See the analogy there? I, I crack is like bricks. Boom. Look at that. Anyway, so <laughs> fast forward now. We're past that epidemic. Now we're into wage gaps again, but at a greater substantial rate. We're at prison reform where it's not actually reform where basically you serve your time in prison if you had to unfortunately go um, and serve time but now you can't vote and we all know that we just got a right to vote in 1965 so we had over 400 years of oppression where we didn't even count as a person where we did all this work we were not violent you don't hear about a massacre of white people by blacks name one I'll gladly <laughs> concede that argument, but you never heard of it. There was never an uprising that annihilated basically an entire people. Shout out to Tulsa, Oklahoma and Black Wall Street as its 99th year of being uh, desecrated by white people. I mean, historically, we have not done anything. We are not violent people. And it just burns my heart to know like we all as black kids who have uh, unfortunately or fortunately however you want to look at it went to white schools that were predominantly white remember the first time you got called the n-word I don't know a white kid that has any feeling or moment in life where it was like that or being told you're dirty and I mean also too like let's just be real if you use the racial slur against a white person, does it really have the same weight? I mean, I, I don't... I, we're not going to go deep into that? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, but I mean, it doesn't, though. Well, we were and, called that word because it meant so much to be valued. Right. It was a system that was orchestrated to create this term was degrading to you. It's, it is, and it's purposely degrading to you. And I know people like to be like, well, I, I want to own the word. You can never own the word that has so many people who've died because of it. True. Um. There's a lot of bloodshed based on that word. People fought so that word wouldn't be said because they knew when they were called it, what that truly meant and I know like generations like today are like every rap song and what have you I still think it's not honoring our ancestors because they actually fought so we wouldn't say it but that's not even the real issue here 
The issue is I was called it when I was in second grade. When was the first time you were called it? I've never been called the N-word by a white person to my face. Wow. But what I do experience, because, you know, I play 2K online, um, that's a pretty racist space. It's a, it's a racist online place. Like, I know I played against this one guy where his name was I Hate Blacks. Yeah, I saw that. I and I was like, yeah, and I was like, why would you go out of your way to say that? Yeah. But then, you know, you think about it, it's like it's pretty cowardice, right? Because you can't really confront this person unless you're one of those anonymous type dudes and get people's IP addresses and, and find their house and all that stuff. Shout out to anonymous. Yeah, shout out. You know what I'm saying? But um, for the, the normal player, <laughs> you don't have that ability. So it's like, all right, you called me the N-word. You're saying that you hate blacks. But it's like, dude, I can't get to you. I can't, you know, we can't sit and have a conversation about it. And you see a lot of online trolling that does that too. Yeah. You know, people that say insightful things, but they don't have a, a picture up. And their, their profile well, is Well, and they do vague. that because they don't want to lose their job. <clears throat> right. And it's like, that's, that's weak. That's weak. Like, you can't really feel like you got your stuff off if you're hiding your face. Well, but then again, I don't know. We're not on that side of the fence. And so, you know, to any allies out there and accomplices who are not black, who are out here with Black Lives Matter, uh, if you own a business, you own a corporation, look at your 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 chart, your organizational chart. That's where we need you to really be allies and accomplices. Make sure your organizational chart reflects the world. Make sure that there's some people of color. Shout out black people, because that's what I identify as. And make sure that there's women, right? Like having a corporation, organization, business, and having, you know, a token is not a service to the person of color that is the only one there. Because the burden is even greater for that person. And it's not fair because they don't need to be the answer giver of an entire ethnicity. Like, that's not fair. So I think that's one of the big things. I know everybody's trying to donate money. I want you to donate salaries. Donate a salary, a wage that you would want for that job that you would give Tom, Ben, (laughs) not you, Ben, (laughs) but a white man. Make sure the dollar values equate to each other. That's where we have the real change. Now, if you want to just make a statement and be like, we're here in solidarity, that's cute, but that's not helping. Right. It's not helping anyone. It's not even helping you. Because you really don't believe it either. Mm. Actions are what we need right now because guess what? Actions are being taken against us. Like, no one could say it any better than that. Boom. Yeah. What are we drinking though? <laughs> I know that was heavy, but we had to let that out because we would we would not be true people of who we are and our ancestors and those who came before us and fought. And today we are forced to look at these situations and cities and our families and friends who are put in these situations where they're being accused of protesting uh, in a violent manner because they have not been violent, right? They turn violent because of what happens. And it isn't yes. There might be a few moments, but if you have oppression, what do you expect people to do? Anywho, what are we drinking? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I 
nigga, I'm glad we took a moment to talk about that. Yes. Um, it's been yeah. weighing heavy on us. Definitely needed, needed to talk about that. Um, well, today we're drinking Opaline. Ooh, Opaline. He know New Or. Okay. New Or. New Or. Okay, I had it right. It's a Brut Rose. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the sparkling, so I'm already kind of you know, leaning on the fence of liking this. Okay. Um, what is it? What it? Where is it from? You know. This is a. It says it's a product of France. Um, okay. What's the alcohol content? You know, that's what we love. Yeah. So I was getting right to that. Um. 12%. So that's kind of pretty decent for um, a sparkling. Yes. And I love yeah. the bottle. It has a little mm-hmm. opal uh, like look to it. It's mm-hmm. very like the glass is textured and then the logo has like this little like opal jewel like on it. disco ball or something. Yeah, it's a ball of glitter. We're using the heck out of this noise today. I like it. Yes. Okay, yeah, but um, definitely go out there get you a bottle of it. Um, we we had you know, almost through this one. Okay, and we um, got it from Trader Joe's, and it's so amazing. And I also want to shout out Trader Joe's uh, to those who have not been there. Right, Trader Joe's is a really good place to stock up on wine. Um, there's some treasures in there and some treasure prices. So if you balling on a budget with your groceries, go ahead and shop down at Trader Joe's and hit that alcohol line or actually just wine line, lane, aisle. That's what you guys call it, aisle. Uh, <laughs> we call it names. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I, I guess mean, it's not weird. I mean, it depends on where you're at. I mean, also my mom mm. probably made that up and like our community just says it. I don't know. It's weird back home. Yeah, more than one person say it is a thing. I mean, I we're not Canadian. Nah. We're just Chicagoans. <laughs> so our guest today, our Courtney Seard, she is um, a life coach, business coach. She's uh, out of Las Vegas, mm. and she has been a coach trainer. Um, all of those those certificate certifications. Uh, occupational things to help people grow, she's able to help people accomplish them. Like, she's so amazing. And I met her when I worked with this nonprofit organization uh, with the former first lady. And uh, she was able to teach women leadership skills. And it was so just exciting to see her, you know, providing that service pro bono, by the way, uh, to all of these women across the country. And then... Ooh, sorry, the rosé is kicking in. It's good, Opal. Uh, we're talking to Greg Bustos. He's he's actually in Spain on this interview, which is kind of cool. Uh, we did a WhatsApp call, so if you hear a little like, what? That's why, guys, because we international. <laughs> so Greg is so awesome. He actually went to uh, Harvard Business School. Mm. Um, so he was in the States and he actually does some stuff that I do, uh, like lobbying and policy and politics. Uh, but also his family owns a vineyard. And so Wandering Grace Rosé is their rosé at their vineyard. Uh, they're looking to do more. Um, he's looking also to start shipping to the U.S. And so soon, guys... Uh, you'll be able to order some Wandering Grace Rosé. But until then, uh, check out his website and all his Instagram. It's really, really dope. Um, So yeah, we have two great people. I'm really excited about it. 
always finding the smart people, man. Hey, when you are blessed, the blessings continue to roll in. These people. I told you I'm gonna overuse smart. it. Overusing it. Yes. Well, guys, let's do our first interview with Courtney Sears. Courtney, pew, Courtney, pew, Courtney. Pew, Here we go. Pew, pew. <laughs> it's like a firework. Pew, pew. It's a chopper. It's a 22. It's a 22. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. First interview up. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today I'm here with someone who is so amazing, so motivational. I can tell you that the moment I met this woman, she moved my spirit, right? She is a spirit mover. She's so, so, so encouraging. She's always there when you need her. She's always a phone call away. She's a motivational speaker, a certified master coach, certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, certified hypnotist trainer. Yep, try saying that five times fast. Certified master practitioner of timeline therapy, a street a strategic business consultant. She's everything wrapped up in an amazing ball of energy. None other than Courtney Sears. Yay! Pew, 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 pew. Courtney. Hey. <laughs> I feel like we, we're okay. like live on TV and like you're walking out and people are like high-fiving you and everything. <laughs> Well, you know, being a fellow Chicago, and I felt like I just got my WGCI triple dot introduction. Ah, so, yes. you know, I'm feeling good right now. <laughs> Who's this on the birthday lot? No, okay, okay. <laughs> hey, 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 Pisces. Oh, Pisces. Oh, if it's your birthday, make some no. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, now for the Chicago, and everybody don't understand GCI. But, you know, happy birthday from WGCI. I love how it is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Courtney, it is such a pleasure to have you. Oh, my God. Thank I've been for waiting for me. this. <laughs> Sorry, that's me with excitement. <laughs> so, Courtney, you're in Vegas, right? How is everything in Vegas right now? Uh, yes, I am in Las Vegas. Uh, and it is interesting. We are still under a stay-at-home order. Mm. Um, it was to expire on the 30th. It's been extended to um, May 15th. And a lot of our people here are struggling and hurting. Um, we, Our number one obvious economy is entertainment, the service industry. Mm -hmm. And out of the uh, top five cities in the nation for job loss, we are four out of those five. So, wow. Yeah, it is interesting to have a lot, to see a lot of friends, businesses, and jobs come to a screeching halt. And, um, you know, and in, have my own parts of my business come to a screeching halt. Uh, some parts pick up and just, Dealing with where we are right now. We are in strange times. Yeah, man. It is it is the worst of times. But um, I, I just want to just say thank you for making time for this because I know that this is an unprecedented time. And, you know, I wanted to just make sure people here are amazing people doing amazing things. And 
when I thought of this podcast, I thought of you immediately because <clears throat> your story, your background, who you are, what you do, uh, you're such a supportive friend, mentor, uh, just woman overall, just a being. Like you are a being. You are so present with friends and family um, and your clients. And so I want to just dive in and let you sort of tell your story about you and how you became an entrepreneur and also living in Vegas. Like, that's dope. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as a transformer say, it's more than meets the eye. It is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Um, true that. (laughs) So, you know, what's interesting is I kind of always have had an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I was born in Chicago um, in 1977. I'm 43, just turned 43 in March. Uh, the day it was named a national emergency, so that'll go down as some infamy. Oh. Um, however, you know, I grew up with a family who was mostly in the South. And my grandfather and my great-grandfather, they were business owners. Uh, the Sears owned, in Greenville, Mississippi, owned a um, house-moving company and they were like the colored people that would help move the houses in the um in the small town so i think like always being your own boss was instilled i watched my grandfather sometimes very unsuccessfully start those businesses and have side hustles as he you know that era of moving houses kind of died down and you know he moved to chicago from mississippi for a while um as a kid not having a lot of money i you know got became in had a lot of ingenuity. So I went and washed cars and mowed lawns and, you know, gave some of that money to get some extra fabric because my grandmother would uh, sew. And also just to have some spending money to get some of my, like, you know, quarter candies. And actually it was five cents back then. <laughs> uh, Alexander the Great, Lemonhead. Uh, I was also very, like, enterprising. I like to take candies to school and sell them to people. Yes. Um, like a couple cents more because they didn't have it. Like, I get the mystery mix now later as you stick them to the top of your mouth so your tongue didn't turn colors. A <sighs> banana. Uh, I would, that's how we use selling points. So... Yes. Um, I always grew up as an entrepreneur. And then uh, one of my first jobs at 13, I was a, a bookkeeper for a Bible bookstore. Oh, wow. And I kind of like looked around and he was a preacher and had a bookstore. So anytime I had an idea about business, he was like, I don't care, sure, whatever. So I would read books and try business things out. And I just really had a love for business. My first uh, kind of like job job was working at um, Fred Meyer, which was a local grocery store in Oregon. So when I was 14, we moved to Oregon, a very small town, uh, 14,000 people. I was the only uh, Black person in the school. And uh, that was a very big shock for me coming from living in Chicago and spending my summers in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And I had to work. You know, I didn't have a kind of mom who could send me to summer camp. And I did part-time jobs. So I could go back to Chicago and take Amtrak to Chicago. So at 15, I saved up enough money and took Amtrak to them with my best friend. And I think about it now, like, what was my mom thinking? I was a 15-year-old girl literally taking a two-day train ride by myself. Yeah. At a young age, you couldn't tell me nothing. Like, I was the epitome of Kanye song, like, la, 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 la. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I still am that way. Um, So I, it's always been in my, um, I think lexicon to think differently. And that also came because my grandmother is a 
a teacher. And in the summer, she would make me come in and do book reports. And at the time, I hated it. But I learned. And I also grew up without a TV outside of the time. So I had to read. And just was really impressed by and was told stories of Black greatness, of, um, you know, Oklahoma, of Mm -hmm. how, you know, my grandma, both my grandmothers went to college. And my grandma, one who passed away was a nurse and my grandmother now is a teacher and the importance of education and the importance of always having your money and, you know, doing a bake sale or, you know, showing some extra stuff and, you know, paying your debt. And for me, I think I have one foot in the old school and one foot in the new. A lot of that is missing. And um, I also was also taught to respect myself, to respect who I was. And at a young age, my grandmother was like, if Ronald Reagan could be president, you can do whatever you want to do. You can raise a mountain with your pinky. And wow. at the time, I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. I didn't get like, he was literally like, that guy's not that smart. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, it I wasn't guess. like that. Yeah, yeah. But at six, I was like, oh, it's Ronald Reagan, it's president. I didn't do anything. And that was like, I started climbing trees, anything. So one, it was just always a fighter's mindset rather than having a negative mindset. Because I did have a bad upbringing at some point if some people could look at it um and there's like a whole TED talk that will kind of go into that but um for me it was all about having my freedom and individuality and because I had exposure to business when I started working in companies I realized a lot of my bosses didn't know what they were doing Mm. and I did and I would be doing the work for them and they'd be doing the praise and there would be microaggressions and I was kind of like the last situation where I worked for someone was I had, I was a bookkeeper and a virtual business operator. I rolled my business into their company and they eventually sold their company to a very big uh, tech company. And I was one of the first people in there, but one of their homies who they ended up having to fire, they gave him ownership. Wow. And here I am doing murder and acquisition. And I'm doing all the dirty work and I saved their asses and, and I didn't get anything. And I realized one, it's because I'm a woman, two, it's because I'm a black woman, three, it's because I don't have ownership. Four, I didn't even know to ask. There's so many things I didn't know. Five, I need to get educated. Six, let's change this. So after that, about uh, nine years ago, I decided to again, go work for myself, go back into bookkeeping and um, business operation, kind of virtual operations for smaller companies coming in and doing that service for them. And about six years ago, I realized something in myself that I realized in other people. I knew the things, I was excited, but there was something inside of me that wasn't allowing me to do it. Uh, I couldn't get over my own behavior. I couldn't get out of my own way. And why? And at the time, I was um, friends with, were dating an athlete at the time. And I was like, look, bro, I am... I am smarter than you, but you are way better at getting things done and following through and discipline. Like, what are you doing? He turned me on to NLP, bought me a training. Um, it changed my life. Uh, and I realized all of these like light bulbs started to flicker off. And I was like, I can apply this into my business. Like, the issue isn't the process. It's the leader and how he's thinking. And, mm. you know, honestly, most of the people that I worked with were men. I was like, and if I can convince them to change their behavior, let go of limiting decisions, let go of limiting beliefs, let go of negative emotions. Like when most people are reacting, they're not really reacting into the moment. They're reacting all that history, that energy that's coming with them. Cause that's how I was. Mm. Like when I changed more space, when I became happier, when I let go of, you know, 
a lot of fears and angers and sadness and hurts and dramas and traumas and got a lot more excitement and energy in my life. Like if you were to talk to people who knew me 15 years ago, it's a very different Courtney. Wow. If you were to know me or talk to people who knew me five years ago, it was a very different Courtney. And if you were to think about when you met me almost three years ago, I'm a very different Courtney. I personally am dedicated. I think that I've been very blessed. Uh, I have had ancestors who have worked very hard and who slaved and gave up a lot. And I have now the ability to actually have a moment to self-reflect. And because I can self-reflect, I believe that God, universe, source, whatever it is, but I do believe in something greater than me, brought me here to be my best and to overcome certain challenges. I came here for a purpose and a reason and it's my job to continue to improve myself. And then what tools that I have learned guide a light and a path for other people. So that's what I do. I'm a coach. I'm an executive coach. I work mostly in business, but I also work with athletes and entertainers. I help people get over middle blocks. But like I have a coach myself and like to be realistic with you right now, I am, I rehired a coach and reinstituted a coach because I would implore everyone more than likely our values have shifted. The things that were important to us January of 2020 are not important to us now. Yeah. Um, I was not as motivated. So ask yourself, what is important to me in this area of life? Get a sheet of paper, ask yourself that, write it all down. Ask yourself that again. Not how you want them to be, how you think they should be, how you imagine them to be, but like what is important to me in the context of living right now? And what I realized was that there were certain things that had shifted for me and I didn't really know how to get them. So I'm working on a coach on like helping me better relationship because for the last six years, I have been single. Like I've dated individuals, you know, on and off, but I haven't had a committed relationship before then I had had a long committed relationship of nine years. And like, I'll be honest, like after that heartbreak, you know, I was like, never again. And I turned myself into, if you think of it, if you look at the numbers, I went what into work Mm. and building a new career. And honestly, I needed to do those things, but now I'm ready. But, and I should say, I don't necessarily know how to do it. I also don't have a problem asking for help. I also don't have a problem looking stupid. I also don't, but I worked on myself. So I'm not magical. And I wasn't born this way. I work tirelessly and invest in my happiness because, like, look at what's going on right now. The world is whack. All yeah. we got is ourselves. All we got is ourselves, Sam. Yeah, like, all you got is you. All I got is me. All those clothes, I got nowhere to wear them. All my, like, amazing shoes. I'm not really going anywhere, to be honest with you guys, until, like, I don't know, 2021. Yeah, I'm going to wait to the second wave or third wave. I mean, I'll step out a bit. I might, like, you know, step out out of parameter and drive somewhere long distance in my car. (laughs) But, like, I don't don't have any plans on, like, like last year I traveled over 125,000 miles. Ain't Rip Warren like that this year. Yeah. Um, So all you really have is ourselves. That's so and true. And today I realized when I looked, I was like, there's a part of this quarantine life I like. I I you know? kind of agree as well. Like I'm able to do a little more focused work on myself. So I, I, I agree with you on that. I do, I do. And also rest. I think that that's another thing that people do not realize. Like to be healthy and wealthy, right? You need rest. And a lot of times we're whipping and running, trying to get to this event, that event 
putting everything on our calendar to make two. And it's like, sometimes you need to just sat down. Girl, I don't even go to, I, after the second week, I stopped going to Zoom events. I was like, no, like the Lord, whatever it is, Mother Nature, universe says pause. Yeah. Stop. Pause. I was like, let me pause. Let me relax. Are you kidding? Yes, you're right. Rest. How tired my system has been. I've been like, I've always said I wanted to breathe, but I never had time to breathe. So I've instituted, I've started doing some breathing exercises where I like started doing three minutes. I'm realizing I have emotions trapped in parts of my body and it's helping me open up. Like, you know, kind of like Easter self-care Sundays, you know, yeah. take a day and do some shit for yourself. Um, make a special bath, have some super tea. It doesn't have, we're not going anywhere or like take a walk. But I know for me, I have to double down and start kind of like investing in me because when this is over, I don't, normal wasn't working. I was Mm -hmm. helping everyone get their goals in every area of their life. And I do believe that for me to be the best that I could be, a partnership is going to help me fulfill a part of that. So I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for you, and I can't wait to meet to meet your partner. Yes, because I'm speaking it. Wow, y'all! Because like I said, you know, Lord, the Lord is the Lord. We're gonna have to work on this one because a lot of no new friends right now. (laughs) What's your COVID test? You got antibodies? (laughs) Right. uh, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and uh, take this test real quick, Melody, before we meet in person. (laughs) What? No new friends. No, no new. Oh my goodness. I'm just glad that everybody gets to hear the Courtney that I love and adore. Like you are just so like a breath of fresh air and just like hearing like how you're handling not only a pandemic, uh, but you're also like looking at, you know, your future goals and how this all works together. Like that's so dope. Like, gosh, you you should write a book. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have written and developed a planner. Yes, can we talk about it? Yes, it's called the Rise Vision Action Planner. And um, the second round is actually being shipped right now. And it starts June 2020 to May 2021. It's a little bit of a different take on your academic calendar. But over the past six years, I've been coaching and leading individuals um, and guiding them towards success. And I give them task work and homework. And I was giving them all of these different tools and use this planner, use this, put this together and realize that there had to be a better way, especially when I was traveling. I had like three different things. So I also realized that some of my clients didn't know how to journal. They would free journal and didn't work for them. So I created a prompted journal section, which... The questions are designed from a neurological aspect to open up and create new behavior. And um, those change. Then I made a, every quarter, there is a 90-day planner, which allows you to pick one area of life and really get clear on why it's important to you. And there are steps to help you break down the most important keys, what you need to do. And then there's your typical planner where then you go in and you plan and organize and schedule when you're going to do all the things to accomplish what you want to have in life. Uh, It's been proven through neuroscience and just basic old plain science that you are 50% more apt to get your goals if you write them down. Yes. So if you begin to start using the mind science, no one is different. And no, I don't mean typing. There is something to be said about putting pen to paper. It's like Erica Badu says, get a pen, 
get a, get a pencil, get some paper, write it down and watch what happens, yes. you know? So, and then the r- routine of doing things consistently. So it's the rise vision action planner and um, it's at the rise planner on Instagram. And what's also really cool is, is I have been in the lab this past week and next week. And I will be um, announcing the, for the second week of May, I'm going to be doing a two-week series with individuals. It's going to be free. All you have to do is sign up. And I'm just going to be talking about resilience. Uh, it's going to be a masterclass on resilience because, listen, um, we have hit, taken a hit. We're all, no matter who we are, our lives have changed. And it's time to learn how to bounce back. And I have a PhD in resilience. So I'm going to teach some tips and tools, lead people through some guided uh, meditations and do some exercises that help create more space, let go of some negative emotions. And then we're going to set some goals using the unconscious mind. So I'm excited about it. Um, Yes. And guess who's going to, one, get this planner, two, join you the second week of May for the these uh, guided meditations and learn about resilience and all of the amazingness. Um, and how can people, I know you said the Instagram, can you say it again? Because I want to make sure people get this because... I'm telling y'all, your life is going to change. Wait, I'm sorry. What'd you say, girl? Can you, no worries. I said a lot, so I get it. Um, If you could just repeat your Instagram handle for the the planner. At the rise planner on Instagram. And it's www.therise.com. Yes. It comes in black and gold, green and gold, and you're going to want to hit academic. It's not, I'm going to have my developer change it. It's not July anymore. I switched it to have my uh, printer move it to June because more than likely we're going to get out first freedom on June 1st. Yes. And you're going to want to start planning because just because this year has thrown you off and just because things aren't align where they were before doesn't one mean you can't get it back on track and create a new plan. Uh, the best way you can do is think future forward. This is not going to last forever. And think about how exciting your life is going to be in two years, three years, five years. We can't let a future, a, a present shock right now stop us from creating an incredible, powerful future. Amen. Amen. Yes. We got to make these sure our futures are are planned for because they have to be purposeful and intentful. So thank you for that, Courtney. I also want to throw well, out there. Well, thank you yeah. for the platform and the time and for always advocating and for um, just wanted to just say, like, I met you a long time ago through an organization you advocated for me and stuck up for me and always stand up for me. And I really appreciate that. And um I am also very glad that you're doing this. So. Oh, thank you. Yes. And again, you're one of the catalysts behind it. Like you're such a motivator. And I just remember you're like, just do what you want to do. Like, just go for it. And I, I'll never forget that conversation we had at a lovely bar over some rosé <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> I remember the days when we could go out in public and talk to people and drink. Oh my God. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know I just need to get a flight to, to Vegas when this happens because when outdoors open again I'm visiting everybody so <laughs> get your couches right, ready yeah, you know at least outdoors here if, if science is correct it would, if it's outdoors in 112 I mean if COVID can exist in 112 degrees 
You win, COVID. Like, yeah, you, know, you won. You, like, you got you it. Won. You got I'm it, B. Nature. You got it, B. Yeah, <laughs> also, like, God's trying to tell us something. Y'all need to watch it. Yes. Like, don't be so they quick is. to go out. Like, I'm learning, like, you know, like, we actually, because of my job, my boss is in Seattle, and Seattle actually started the um, quarantining, self-distancing back in February. So I've my been... My mom and my sister are in Seattle. My mom's business, my mom's building has been straight quarantine. Like, she has not seen day like yeah. forever. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. sad too because it's like February that they were quarantined. So yeah, yeah my mom is like, el- like she's sixty seven. She she kill me if I said elderly. She's sixty seven. I shouldn't even be telling her age. Ooh, edit this out, girl. Please. Right, okay. Uh, your mom is a refined wine. My mom does not want to hear that. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, girl, bye. <laughs> you better take that off. Right. Off. Uh, this hey. ain't about me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, no, Seattle has been hit really hard. So yeah. It's it's a lot happening all over. But before before we go, I've got two little things for you. One, wondering if you could tell people how they can reach you or follow you on social media. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Courtney A. Seared. You can find me on Twitter at Courtney Seared, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-S-E-A-R-D. On Instagram, at The Rise Planner. CourtneySeard.com. TheRisePlanner.com. Yes. And don't worry, we're going to put that in um, all of our our, uh, platforms so people are aware uh, when this episode comes out because we want to make sure people know about this and also join you uh, for the second week of May for for your series you're doing on resilience. Um, now, of course, the last question I have to ask, what is your favorite rosé or adult beverage? Well, right now, my favorite adult beverage is an Aperol Spritz, girl. Ooh, you got to tell details on this. Okay, so it is a, a, like an Italian drink. It's a liqueur called Aperol with a Prosecco. And club soda. So it's mm. equal parts Prosecco, equal parts Aperol, club soda, and a lemon or a orange wedge. And stir that up together. Voila. Summer in Europe in a glass. Yeah, you don't need that because we ain't going nowhere. Get it, it on your balconies if you got refrigerator one. Refrigerator <laughs> and perhaps a patio. Right, right. Sit on your patios, your balconies, or on your steps outside if you have them. Or lay in the grass in your yard. Because this is a... However you have it. Have have it. it. I love it. Courtney, we could go on for hours. I just want to just... Oh, I wish I could hug you. (laughs) I know, right? Remember when we used to be able to hug? Oh, my God. When you could actually just touch... Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Yeah. Reach out and touch. Not anymore. Nope. Reach out and I'm sorry. Excuse you. Don't stand so close to me. Right. Right. (laughs) You can't touch nobody. Six feet. Give me six feet. Can't touch this. No. Not none of that. All you could do is just stand. After you've done all you can, you just stand. Yes. (laughs) 
All right, Courtney, this has been way more fun than I think people have ever envisioned it. And I'm okay with that because I'm with Courtney. Yay! <laughs> well, you know, as I as one of my mottos is, if it ain't fun, it ain't getting done. Ooh. You gotta make everything a game in your life and you gotta enjoy it because you only have one life to live. Amen. Amen. Well, with that, Courtney, <laughs> amazing quotes. Uh, I wanna just cheers you and Thank you so much for coming today. Yay! Pew, pew! OMG, thanks, Courtney. And you guys do not know how exciting and fun and amazing Courtney is. So follow her today. Go to her website, CourtneySeer.com and check her out and definitely use her as a resource. She's great and she'll love to have you as a client. Pew, pew! We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk with Greg Bustos of Wondering Grace Rosé. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosé Hour podcast. And I'm so excited that we have this amazing guest. Uh... I met this person because I love their post on Instagram. Uh, He has his own rosé company called Wandering Grace Rosé. It's amazing. It's organic. It's premium. It's a 2018 uh, wine, and it's the essence of mythological graces. No one in the world can make a better rosé than this person here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Greg of Wandering Wine Rosé. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. Yes, yes. Yes. More than happy to be with with you at this moment. And looking forward to let all your your followers and people who are listening to you about our Wandering Grace Rosé. Yes. Yes. So, Greg, how did you even get started in the rosé business or the wine industry? Yes, yes. The wine business, somebody said here in Spain, you have to be kind of a mad person because you have to plan so long ahead, you know, to grow grow your vineyards, you know, uh, you need at least 10 years until your vineyards really get the grapes that you want. But in my case, here in in south of Spain, we are about one and a half hour south from Madrid in the region of Castilla. It's a beautiful region that you should all visit, full of castles and the famous windmills of Don Quixote. Many of you probably are aware of that. So the story is, is as follows. I am the sixth generation of wine grower. I mean, great grower winemakers, okay? So myself, I've been working for, a, I've been an executive in a big blue chip company in Germany. Mm-hmm. So I, I always wanna, I wanted to come back to Spain and to make the best wine out of the vineyards of the family so mm-hmm. that happened that happened four years ago I, I came down and and we i talked to my parents about the idea of why not making a rosé you know we, mm-hmm. i was very much aware through my time in the u.s i spent time in the u.s as well i saw the trend of the rosé so i i knew that we had the really high quality grapes that we have been growing in this in this region of spain so why not a rosé? So mm-hmm. 
the idea was, uh, of course, organic. I know I want to be trendy. I mean, and this is the way many rosé drinkers uh, think about, you know, why not be a sustainable wine, yeah? Yeah. So we decided to join a venture with one of the most famous enologists in Spain, yeah? He's a young guy who has been recognized by the Cantor magazine. As one of the rising stars in Spain, so I told him about this about this this project. Why not using our wonderful Grenache grapes to make a, a wonderful a wonderful Rosello as well? So that's why he he right away uh, liked the idea, and we came out with uh, with wandering grapes, wandering grapes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. What else, Rene? <laughs> well, ask me, ask me. I have yes. a lot of things to talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, yes. I'm here for all of the story. So like with yes. Wandering Grace Rosé, yes. how did you yes. come up with the name? Yes, that's a very good question. Especially being a Spanish, Spanish, uh, Spanish wine, yeah? Yes. So some people t- told me, why are you using an English name, not a, a Spanish name? So I said, well, look, the world is one. I want to be, I want to make a universal wine. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we just go for one language? Because in the end, it's everything then uh, really messed up. Use Spanish, click here, use German, click here. So I said, no, let's go for English. I mean, English is, is our, I would say, our, our universal language. Yeah. So that, that's the one thing, why English? So we use English in everything, our label, our page, everything, our, our communication, all, all is done in English. The name, Wandering, Wandering Grace. Grace has uh, different meanings, I mean, uh, different ideas behind the name. Grace is a feminine name. We wanted to identify the wine with the, with the, yeah, with the movement of Rosé, especially for women. Mm-hmm. So we, we thought we should give the wine a, a, a personality, a feminine personality. And Grace was a name that uh, we all agree. Um, it also refers to the ancient Greek graces. Yeah. So yeah. We, we drew a parallel there about beauty, nature, elegance, and so on. And then wandering is just, uh, it's like um, as we go through life, you know, we sometimes we stop, I wonder how are we doing, what are the best moments in life. Mm-hmm. And this is what why why we came with this idea. Why don't we just call it Wandering Grace? Okay, that yeah. is that is the 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 reasoning behind the name. Yes. So, what kind of flavor does your rosé have? Yes, the flavor that we can find in, in Wandering Grace is on the one hand we can find uh, cherries, sweet cherries. Okay. And also, uh, what 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 is called strawberry yogurt? Yeah, mm. this are terminology of, of 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 wine of wine. Yeah, so those are the main the main flavors that you will find in Wandering Grace. Okay. Wow! And so I, you say you're in Spain. What kind of grapes yes. are you know unique to this wine? That's like sort of probably only in that region that you're in in Spain. Yes, I mean, Spain uh, has, uh, uh, you can find reina, you can find many grapes, but the two that I would say are the most typical Spanish grapes are on the one hand, the so-called Tempranillo, and the other one is the Grenache, which is the one we have been, we have used for wandering grapes. 
It's called Grenache. You can all also find it somewhere, some, uh, somewhere in the south of France. Yeah, but I, I have to speak for the two most typical Spanish rep the short of uh, grapes are Tempranillo and Grenache. And Grenache is the one in Wandering Grace. Okay. Yeah, and so like you know, a lot of people are like, you know, French rosés are what they prefer. But like what what separates sort of like this the Spanish uh, rosés from the French? Like what what kind of qualities make it unique and sort of like, yes. you know, yes. like I love a Spanish rosé. <laughs> yes. Good, good. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that many people don't know, and this is kind of these secrets, you know, within the industry that some people know, but many don't talk about it, is that, for example, our grapes, because we are in the located, uh, well, in Spain and in a little bit to the south, we receive, the grapes receive 2,500 hours of sun. Yeah. Whoa. So that makes the grapes unique in a way that they just grow, just, they just basically don't need any help to grow. Yeah. Because the way uh, the sun cure, cures everything. So we are just uh, able to let the, the, the vineyards uh, grow their, their, their own things. Yeah. Their own product. We don't have to add anything. For example, if we go to the south of France, where the, also, the famous Rosés also are coming, no, like Mirabeau, mm-hmm. and Whispering and all of those, they only receive, or in the in the, in the best case, they receive 2,000 hours of, of sun. Wow. Yeah, 2,000. So we, we are having a 500-hour difference. That's the one thing. And if you go a little bit up France, like Bordeaux region, they maximum hours that they receive some is 1,800. So we are seeing a huge difference, okay, in terms of how you take care of the vineyards, in terms of how, how the grape uh, grow naturally, yeah? So mm-hmm. that's what we have in our in the bottles of our wandering race is the Spanish sun that takes care of the vineyards and give us the grapes to make wandering grace. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I know you said like you, you know, did some uh, time here in the U.S. You did some time in yes. Germany. Germany. What would you yes. say is sort of like different in the cultures and even in, in, in Spain with rosé? Like, you know, here in the U.S., people are trying this rosé all day uh, and like rosé season. But it seems like, you know, abroad, people are more so inclined to have a rosé year round. Yes, you're right, Rene. One of the things that I was impressed when I was in the U.S. is how this whole boom of a rosé, you know, mm-hmm. me be, me being in the wine wine family, wine business for a long, long time, uh, I was surprised how rosé was was having such a great success. Yeah. Yeah. Spain, Spain, for example, even though we have been talking about the sun and we have a lot of international people coming over, still the rosé is starting now, you know, it's mm. kind of a, a strange phenomenon, yeah. In in Germany, for example, they still, still I mean, rosé is coming in, in the big cities like Berlin and Munich, where, where we are selling already wandering grace, but most German people still prefer, you know, mango for the red wine, and women still like the more the the white wine, yeah? yeah. So this is very interesting how this whole phenomenon moves around the world. Yes, yes. Yeah. So 
So, but I'm convinced that Rosé is going to break the, the, I mean, like it's happening in the U.S., Mm-hmm. This is going to be coming also to, towards Europe because the, the rosé, I don't know if you know this, Rene, but rosé wines are the most difficult wines to make because mm. you have to be very pre- precise if you want to obtain a beautiful color. Because if you, you know, if you have the grapes too long, then the color turns more toward red or, you know, or orange. But if you don't give it enough time, then you won't get you won't get a beautiful color, you know. So it's just it's a very precision uh, type of winemaking, yeah? yeah. So this was one of the one of the directions that I gave to the enologist is you have to get the most beautiful color out of this wine, yeah? yeah. So this is why we are so proud of Wandering Grace. This is a really beautiful pale pink, yeah. So yes. but it's a lot of effort and a lot of precision behind that. Okay. Yeah. And also I noticed on your label, it looks like a Greek goddess is on the label. What does the, that mean? All right. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, no worries. No. I was saying, um, I noticed on the label, there's like a Greek goddess on the label. So what does, what does that have yes. a meaning for, for the company and for the rosé? Yes, that's what I was saying at the beginning with the name. That's one of the graces. Yeah, the graces, the Greek graces mm. have been painted by some of the most famous painters, including Da Vinci and, and many others. So we wanted to, you know, you know that the origin of wine is Greece as well. Yeah, or the region around Greece. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of resemble what, what wine is, or what wine came from, came from and also looking at the picture, you know, like this uh, Grace is looking at the future, you know, like wondering, you know, what is life all about? You know, why don't I think about it with my friends and, and you know, enjoying this special moment? So this is what we wanted to to represent with this, with this uh, Grace. Yep. Awesome. So I know you also said that you have uh, a vineyard that has other wines as well and like you sort of incorporated the rosé what other wines do you guys actually have at your vineyard well at the moment we are pretty much focusing only on rosés this is the strategy we are gonna go for it but we we are just we started last year so we are coming and thinking about the new rosés yeah for the following years okay so the idea we have different grapes all of them top quality rene because I don't know if you, you know that within each grape, for example, when we talk about Grenache, Cabernet, Syrac, all of them, when you go to make a decision which, which type of grape you want to plant, for example, you say, okay, let's go for Cabernet, okay? Mm-hmm. Cabernet Franc. But within the Cabernet Franc, you have a range from at least 10 different sorts of, of Cabernet Franc because you can choose, okay, do I go for more quality and that means less quantity or do I go for a medium quantity, medium quality, yeah? Or do I go for more quantity, less quality, yeah? That, mm. that is all That is all um, um, arranged around the, what clones, clones do you use? Well, just to make it short, what we did 10 years ago when we restructured the whole vineyards, we went for the, top quality grapes. So we have top quality grapes, also not only Grenache, 
we have Shirak, we have Cabernet Franc, we have a typical Mediterranean grape, which is called Moscatel, Moscato, Moscatel. Yes. So, so we are going to be able to make top wines yeah, with these grapes. Yeah? But we would like to focus on the rosé. That's, that's the strategy. We can also move to, to make, for example... Uh, champagne. I mean, no, champagne is French, but the the, the you know the cabas. This is mm-hmm. these bubble wines, you know. So we could we could also uh, we are thinking about coming out with a new uh, bubble. Uh, how do you call them? <laughs> bubble wine. The, the, uh, the champagne rosé, sort of like right. the bubblies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's in our strategy. But this these years we are focusing pretty much on wandering grace. I mean, people who has tried it is just they are just loving it. But we want to expand, and we would love to to have the people in the US uh, drink it. Yes, of course. Now, what's a great way for people to purchase your rosé? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get the question. Uh, what? What? Uh, what? How can people purchase a bottle or two or three? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, or more. Yeah, or want. more. Okay. <laughs> okay, we are small, so if you are in Europe, you can, you know, things in Europe within the countries is easy to, you know, just get on our portal, our shop, op- shop online. Yeah, that's easy. You can order. That is no problem. But in the U.S., things are not so easy, especially for small wineries, because you got to, you need to get a permission for each state. So for a small winery, it's, it's very difficult to get all that, you know. Wow. But for the people who want to try Wandering Grace, there is a way they write to us at our email. I can give it to you or maybe you can show it later in the um, Yes. The podca- in the podcast, I-, I will say right now is our email is info, info at wanderinggracerose.com. Okay. So if they write to us, I will I will arrange with our ship- shipping company to to deliver the wine to, to all the one who, who want to try it. Yes. Yes, definitely. So people definitely info at wanderinggracerose.com. Uh, uh, to email if you are in the United States and would like to make an order for this exactly. amazing rosé. Yes. <laughs> yes, rosé. This uh-huh. is awesome. Well, I, I I have so many more questions, but I know we only have a limited time. So I'll end with this last question, but we'll definitely okay. have you back on because... Sure. You can just teach us. <laughs> well, well, yes. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Renee. So what's yes. a great rosé? Um, I mean, your rosé is great to, to have, but what is good to eat with your rosé? Yeah, good question. Good question. Well, um, I would recommend for those people who love seafood, I know a lot of people in the East Coast love seafood, Wandering Grace is the perfect the perfect pair for seafood. For those also who are into rice or also pasta, pasta is mm-hmm. you know, eaten everywhere in the big cities, you know, with the busy, busy lives, Wandering Grace is perfect. Yeah, Wandering Grace is perfect. You can drink it very easily with the, um, with all that, with pasta, with rice, with seafood, also with white meat. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yes. Well, that's good yes. to know. And how can people outside of emailing you uh, connect? Like, what's your your social media handles? Okay, our season. We are in Instagram. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, there we you can find that under wandering wandering. Uh, how do you call? A slash, but uh, underscore, underscore, yeah, underscore 
Grace underscore Rosé. Yes. Yeah. You, you will see our post there and the information that we that we every week update. Wow. Well, Greg, this has been amazing. And people definitely go to uh, at wondering underscore or uh, grace underscore Rosé on Instagram yes. to follow them. Info at wonderinggracerose.com to make an order in the U.S. And the U the UE, uh, y'all know how to do it. <laughs> yes. The EU, y'all know how Just to, go how to, to do it. www.wonderinggracerose.com. Yeah, then you can find the, yes. the information and the ordering for, for Europe. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time. And I mean, you're you're already in evening hours in Spain. So I think it's time for you to pop open a bottle of your amazing rosé now. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, sure. I have here a couple of bottles around me. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. All right. <laughs> well, we it's greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. It's been Greg. a pleasure, Renee. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Renee. Take care. You serving up the drinks. And then also shout out to all of you for listening to our 17th episode. Yay! So amazing. Don't forget to go to our website, therosehourpodcast.com. Check out our merchandise and hear previous episodes. And don't forget to also hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Again, check us out every Thursday and Sunday for our Rose Hour virtual happy hour and Soulful Sundays. Virtual happy hour Thursdays at 6.30 Eastern Time and the Soulful Sundays, Sundays, clearly, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, we love having you here. We can't wait for next week because guess what? We're going to have two more exciting guests. Yay! See you next time. Cheers!